Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, uh, with our Norman Corwin special. Uh, Mr. Corwin passed away on October 18th, uh, and he was one of radio's great writers. And we're going to honor him with an episode of his Columbia Workshop. This episode is brought to you by the financial support of our great listeners. Thank you so much. Norman Corwin... Uh, was born in 1910 and died at the age of 101. And he had a phenomenal career in radio, particularly uh, through the World War II era. He was director and producer for many uh, radio dramas. He covered a wide variety of styles, but did a lot of experimental uh, fiction in his work, uh, with, in particular with the uh, Columbia Workshop. His work ranging from poignant to satirical. One of his greatest works was the rhyming comedy, The Plot to Overthrow Christmas. Well, Corwin had gotten pretty well established. And in 1941, the Columbia Workshop decided to give Corwin 26 uh, weeks of programming. The series was called 26 by Corwin and began in, in May of 1941. The episode we're about to hear uh, came from October 12th of 1941 and was uh, week 23 of the series. This particular episode of Studio One starred Ruth Gordon, who would in later years become a Oscar winner, a Golden Globe winner, and an Emmy Award winner. But that was all to happen in the 60s and 70s. At this point, the... 45, almost 46-year-old actress was probably best known for playing the role of Mary Todd Lincoln in Abe Lincoln in Illinois. Also featured in uh, ep uh, today's episode of Note is Frank Lovejoy, better known to fans of old-time radio mysteries as Randy Stone in Nightbeat, and we've heard him in a couple other series, including Box 13 already. This story is set against the backdrop of the 1941 World Series, which uh, concluded only six days prior to airing this episode. The series was played between the New York Yankees and the Brooklyn Dodgers. The Dodgers last been to the series in 1920, and so after a 21-year absence, they returned. They lost to the Yankees in five games. The most crucial game, perhaps, was Game Four of the series. The Dodgers led by one in the bottom, uh, in the top of the ninth, at Abbott's Field, and Tommy Hendrick of the Yankees struck out, which should have ended the game. But the catcher for the Dodgers, Mickey Owen, couldn't hold on to the ball. Uh, it got away from him, and Hendrick was able to run down to first base. And then the Yankees rallied to go on to win the game. And the next day, they won the series. So Dodger fans were not too happy, and that does end up playing into our plot. But now let us go ahead and take a listen. This is going to be experimental, a little bit unusual. I hope you enjoy it. 
from 26 by the legendary Norman Corwin. It's murder in Studio One. Now, just calm down. Just take it easy. You act so something terrible has happened. It is terrible. This is awful. This is the worst thing that ever happened in radio. Well, don't get excited about it. It's a mere trifle. Where's the body? Right. Right over here. Oh, poor Van Crimson. How long has he been dead? I don't know. Only yesterday. What's that paper he's got in his hand? Looks like a piece of script to me. Well, let me read it. Columbia Workshop presents... What's the Columbia Workshop? A bunch of fellas. Columbia Workshop presents program number 2326 by Corwin. Who's Corwin? Oh, he's a guy. Um, Mystery, mystery, oh, yeah. presents a new mystery melodrama entitled Murder in Studio One, written and directed by Norman Cohen, starring distinguished actress, stage, radio, and screen, Ruth Gordon, the role of Cameo Clop. Imagine Ruth Gordon as Cameo Clop. Who's Cameo Clop? That's me, you idiot. Oh, Haven't oh, you ever oh. heard of Inspector Cameo Clop? Well, no, you see, I, I'm just a maintenance man in the studio building. Maintenance man or no maintenance man? Don't you realize I'm the expert who solved the Purple Opal murder? And the Mimsy Bargrove mystery and the strange case, the green fedora, and the incident of the checkered pajamas? Well, well no, ma'am, I, I... Well, I am, and to be perfectly frank, I shouldn't be fooling around with a small potato of a case like this. Well, I should say hot potato, ma'am, considering who Van Crimps was. Oh, poor Van Crimps. Who was Van Crimps? What? I, the most popular radio announcer in the country. He was? I'll make yeah. a note of that. Some sakes, why isn't my secretary here to take notes? Where is everybody? Why am I always first on the scene of the crime, even before the coroner? Hereafter, I'm going to take more time. It's undignified for a detective, famous as I, to show up for anybody else. That's not the way they do it in the movie. No, no I agree is how it isn't, but... Poor Van Crimps, he was All I really want is to be left alone to finish my research on the lepidopterology of ancient Persia and play the horses. But no. Every fortnight or two, somebody turns up with a new mystery for me to unravel. It's ridiculous. I solved enough mysteries to start a radio series called Ellery Clop. Yeah, and cases that Philo, Crothers, Diblo, Shapiro, Fukon, Moto, Guts are baffled by... They were dizzier than moss in a lighthouse before I got through with them. It's a good thing I just... Hey, boy, I've been looking all over for you. Big murder case just broke. Yeah, it's about time you showed up. This Mr. Slope works around here. This is Minnie, my secretary, never works around anywhere. I oh, Slope. Uh... That's a big murder case you say just broke. Guy named Van Crimp was found murdered in a radio station. They've been calling you on the phone ever since. You wouldn't mean the murder in Studio One, would you? Yeah, that's it. How'd you know? What studio do you suppose this is? Is this Studio One? <laughs> the joke's on me. That's a hot one. Where's the fifth? On the dead side of the studio, right here. Dead side? <laughs> this is screams. Why do they call it the dead side? Because sound is dead on that side, of course. Make a note of that, Minnie. Okie doke. That ain't all that's dead on that side, huh? <laughs> Oh, what a gift. I'll have to give that to Winchell. Well, here's the body, ma'am. We were such a nice full of them, weren't Well, well, so I rush up here to tell you there's a murder in this studio. 
<laughs> the joke's on me. That's a laugh, all right. Minnie, stop enjoying yourself long enough to find out what's delaying Lieutenant O'Hanrahan and the coroner. Ring up headquarters and ask when the... Nah, never mind. Here they are now. Well, that's Tammy O'Neill. Must have arrived here before we did. The elementary deduction, my dear Lieutenant O'Hanrahan. Uh, Miss Klopp, this is Dr. Lionel Bumbridge, the coroner. How do you do? Miss Minerva Hammersmith, Miss Klopp's secretary. How, How do you, you do? Doc? And this is Gu Chong, everybody. He's the specialist who solved the Congressional Investigation Committee murder and the incident of the unmitigated boar. How do you do? How do you do? Lieutenant, why did you call me on this case if you got Mr. Gu Chow? Are you auditioning, detective? Well, I know Gu Chow's on the case as a consultant. Ain't that right, Gu? I am. He who keeps the moon from wolves is ready to catch luck if ever the heavens do fall. Shall I make a note of that, Tamio? Nah, don't bother. Lieutenant, I'm resigning from the Van Crimp case effective immediately. He who resigns from case before investigation puts plow before oxen and claws where it does not itch. What kind of double talk you call that? Ah, that's strictly from Chinese hunger. Oh, please don't leave the case, Cameo. You don't want crime to triumph, do you? Crime don't pay. Oh, poor Van Crimp. Only last Monday he was... Ah, oh, right, me. I'll stick. But it's against my principles. Oh, that's the stuff, Cameo. That's the spirit. Yeah, well, let's get down to business. What's that paper sticking out of Van Crimp's side pocket? Got typing on it. it. Looks like a commercial announcement. Well, let me see it, please. Don't forget to remember to insist on the name Fudgy Cream. For a real, honest-to-goodness, creamy, delicious, wholesome, tempting, tangy, helpful, different app, mellow, writ, lusciously nourished, and crunchy. He was supposed to read that tonight at 9 o'clock. Yeah, well, he's better off this way. Now, Dr. Bumbridge, you've been poking around there long enough. You determined the cause of this? Uh, oddly enough, the victim was not killed violently. Very strange. Yeah, it is strange. The evidence points to strangulation, but there isn't a mark of any kind to indicate the manner of strangulation. Then he make a note of that. Okay, dog. I take it, doctor. You completed your examination? Except for an autopsy. You're then through for the present? Yes, ma'am. But you haven't used your stethoscope to examine the corpse, Dr. Bumbridge. Why is that? Surely, Miss Klopp, you're joking. Make a note of that, Minnie. I am not joking, doctor. But you know that the coroner never examined stethoscopically. When I arrive, it is not to examine a patient, but a corpse. Don't hand me platitudes at a time like this, sir. Once again, may I suggest you use your stethoscope? This is preposterous. Specifically in the area of the duodenum. Absolute nonsense. The man is dead. Why don't you do as you told, you jerk? Just leave this to me, Minnie. I'll take care of the smart repartee you stick to your shorthand. Okie doke. Just trying to help. And besides, it's jerk, not joik. Very well. It will you me you any, Miss Klopp. I will listen to his pulse and respiration, which ceased at least two hours ago. I only yesterday, Van Crimp told me he was going to do the commercial for Miracle Beer. He says to me, Lammy says... Well, Dr. Go... Brumbridge, what do you hear? I hear... Uh, oh, uh, nothing. Nothing? No, no, nothing. Yeah, well, then why are you so pale? I, uh, I am not well, I guess. Yeah, give me that stethoscope. I'll listen myself. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Just as I thought. Lieutenant, listen to this. No. I can't believe it. Well, what is it? Don't keep us on tender hooks. Why? Why, it's a quartet. They're singing. They're singing music. What kind of music? The boogly-woogly-piggy. Are they swinging it? Would the uh, honorable Mr. Chong care to listen? Thank you so much. Ah! Ah! Pretty! 
He who here music out of wood should lock barn door after barn is stolen. Are you kidding? Perhaps the uh, estimable Mr. Chung can offer a theory at this point. Gu Chong jumped to no hasty conclusion. He who jumped before he leaped beat bush without catching birds. Give over, Gu. Let me listen. Have you an explanation for this cameo? Simple. Not a singer neither. I do sweet as apple apple. Come away from that minute. Now, it's obvious Van Crimp was murdered by the administration of a dose of the deadly poison insidium. Yeah, but how can you tell without an autopsy? I'm coming to that, Dr. Brumbridge, and when I get there, you'll do well to have an explanation for your strange reporter not hearing anything. But I... Uh, yes, I... now insidium is a newly discovered poison, the effect of which is to choke off the oxygen supply of the blood while... At the same time, producing a mood of profound cynicism in the victim. Cynicism? Yeah, you please observe, Van Crimp died with a sneer in his face. Why, so he did. <laughs> but how does that explain the music coming from the duo Denim? Simple insidium is a radioactive substance. It gathers in the duodenum and sets up a sort of receiving station for radio waves and other electrical impulses. Acts like a crystal set, you might say. She knows her stuff, don't she, boys? Uh, Miss Klopp, this poison you speak of is unknown to medical science. Now, how do you... Why so, Doctor? Because there are only eight persons in this country who studied it, and I am one of them. I just finished writing a monograph on the subject. Cameo, I gotta hand it to you. You've solved the mystery. Yeah, and now all we have to do is find a murderer. Yeah, you certainly... What's that? In the meantime, Lieutenant, I suggest you place Dr. Bumbridge under arrest for suspicious conduct. Now, wait a minute. I... Poor, poor Van Crimp. And also detain Mr. Slope, who's been mourning poor Van Crimp just a little too hard to suit me. Me too. But, but, but I'm... But I'm one of the studio maintenance band. I was... Also, a... any others who profess to have known Van Crimp intimately. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Am I in the right studio? Is this studio one? Yeah, what do you want here? Why, I have an appointment to see Van Crimp, the announcer, and by golly, I see I'm just on time, too. What's your name? You mean to say you don't know me? <laughs> My name is Owen Repel, Thompson Tenor, singing nightly at Earl's Place, Route 22, where frolics begin. No cover, no men. And I've got a lot of very flashy, dramatic routines. Young Soper will go anywhere. Yeah, well, where do you think you're going now? Well, that's a good question. If you ask me, I'm going places. But uh, probably what you mean is getting down to seriousness. Where am I going now? Right uh, out on your ear. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Van Crimp is a great big uh, booster of mine. And really a happy doodle dandy kind of a chap. That's what he said. Uh, he came out to Earl's place to get some soft-shell crabs that they feature along next to my singing, and he told me not to fail when I was in town next time to drop in on him. So here I am. You, uh, you're a good friend of Antrim's, are you? Am I a good friend of his? Why say? I give him the shirt right off my back. Why, he's way up there with the best of them. He's right at the top. He's what I call a crackerjack boy. Why, there's nobody like him. You mean, uh, he's out of this world? Right. Right his ring. Do you, uh, recognize who this is laying on the floor? Why, absolutely, absolutely. Good old man Crimp. Stop Frank. Uh, by the way, speaking of Frank, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you folks here in the studio a real break. One of the best breaks you've ever had. I see that you folks need a little cheering up, and I'm the guy to do it. Always glad to be of service to my fellow man with a smile. I tell you folks, a smile is a great thing to remember. Do you remember that old song? 
A smile will paint you well, I'm a boy. All right, bring your smiling outside. Come on, let's now, do that. Now, wait a minute, folks. Huh? You're making a big mistake. Madam, you've probably got one good ear. Yeah, and you're a pain in it. Gone home now. I can tell you have a dandy ear. Now, get the boy and girl angle of his phone. All right, here we go. And glad to do it, too. It was bad. All course. right, come on, big outside. Oh, oh, my ears oh, 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 oh. I've never heard such a thing. All right. Now we're rid of him, I suggest we all go about our business. There are a number of people I want to see. Noted. In the meantime, I suggest Van Crimp be given a decent autopsy and burial so he'll stop receiving Boogly Woogly Piggy and Ida and other programs on the same wavelength. Ida, sweet as evidence you wanted. Let's see. Now, there were three different programs, either rehearsing or broadcasting while Van Crimp was in Studio One on the afternoon of the 7th. The Science Talk by Professor Worthington Trummock. Adventures of Zazza the Zealous. And the Rowdy Dowdy Rhythm Girls. And each must be investigated. In addition, I must see the sponsor of Van Crimp's Snap and Zip Variety Show, Mr. Plimsoll. I understand he quarreled with Van Crimp the day before he was murdered. Sure, Plimsoll. His wife died of tomaine poisoning last year. Very curious. Put that down, too. Now, first we must see Professor Perumut. But I tell you, Miss Klopp, I only met the man once. And that was at a poker game? Why, yes, to be sure. It was a poker game at his home in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, that's where I live. The land of the free and the home of the Dodgers. Will you see our boys next year? You lost heavily to Van Crimp that night? Yes, that's true. And you promised to pay up before November 1st? Yes. You also lost a telephone bet in the World Series to him? Yes. Now, Professor Frummett, you are a scientist and you lecture on the radio. Yes. Sir. You also happen to be one of the eight persons in this country who knows the secret of insidium. Oh, yes, yes, but I assure that, you... Professor, will be all for the present. that he thought the story stank. So what? And you replied he'd feel sorry one day for what he said. You also called him an overbearing snob and a stuffed shirt and an exhibitionist who ought to be put out of circulation. If he was. So what? You accused him of standing around waiting for people to ask for his autograph. Hmm. He'd rather find his autograph than he. Hmm. 
I'm asking you to on. That's what I intend to do. Listen here, Slop. I'll sue you for disturbing my peace of mind. I'm a busy woman. I'll sue you, too, you little squirt sitting there taking notes of everything I say. You hear me? Yeah. So what? Was Van Krimp's girl? And you sing on the rowdy dowdy rhythm girls program at Sing? Yes, I do. You saw him in the studio the day of. No! No, I didn't. I didn't see him. I tell you, I didn't. She says she's been. But you saw him the night before. Yes. We had a party. I was at his home. He was very happy about winning a bet that day. Later, he he and I went down to Kelly's tavern for a drink. He was very boisterous and I quarreled with him. Uh, you quarreled? No! No, it wasn't what you suspected. It was only... Was he sober? Yes, he never drank. Hmm, that's all for now, sister. What about that, Mr. Plimstone? No, I'm surprised that you could ask such a question, Miss Clip. I have always enjoyed the most cordial relations with my employees and all those members of my wonderful little family who represent society selected snaps and zips manufacturing company on air. And that includes good old Van Crimp, too. May he rest in peace, poor lad. But you had sharp words with him. Oh, and... I am always surprising my employees with little surprises. Now you take this here. The folks are expecting a bonus this year, but I have got something up my sleeve far better than a bonus. And when they get in step with this thing, they are going to be pepped up good and plenty over. It's what we call the friendly Christmas plan. All an employee, all an employee has to do is shave his slips that he has issued, or that is, of course, providing that he has been with the farm for a minimum of 19 years. And if the slips are okay by the foreman and the division superintendent, they are then put through the verifier and checked by any uh, confident note republic. Uh, then they are issued to the board and the employee simply awaits his turn. This is a matter of, oh, I would say about ten days or so. Ah, this is positively fine chilling. Yes, I'm glad you approved it. And then he receives his uh, application place. Uh, oh, by the way, there's just one thing to remember here, Mr. You might make a mental note of it. It's very important. The letters, they must be sure to sign her name on both sides. Uh, then it's simply a matter of a thorough uh, uh, medical examination, and if the employee passes, he's entitled to A, or choice of a half a day off, or B, one half of one percent discount on articles purchased at the factory commissary. Uh, it may seem a little radical to the more conservative businessmen, but I have found that it always pays to search for methods of establishing warmer relationships between myself and my employees. There are worse crimes than murder. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> my
everybody here, Minnie. All the suspects is inside, including Lieutenant O'Hanrahan and the district attorney, if you want to call them suspects. Stranger things have happened. You also got Mr. Elwin Rappel. What a smack. He's like a cartoon in the New Yorker. He's like a rare etching by Dumier. Very well. Never mind the cultural illusions. Let's go in and clear up this mystery. Okay, boss. This is right. Good evening, everybody. Sorry to upset your plans for the evening, but there's a little matter of a murder to clear up, and then you can all go home. All but one. Because the murderer is in this room. Stop trembling, Mr. Plimpsel. You make the rest of the guests nervous. Why, I... I'm afraid I've swallowed my cigar, that's all. Oh, that's okay. They say ashes is good for the teeth. If you don't mind, Miss Hammersmith, I'll conduct this investigation. Okie doke. Just trying to help. If I can be of any help, I'd be mighty glad to do it, too. Glad to do it. Now, for instance, I have another song that has the... No. You just sit quiet and continue to pick your teeth. Now, you, Mr. Sloan, you looked upon Van Crimp almost as a son, didn't you? I loved him, boy. Whenever he was in trouble, I... You know, he had a habit of touching the point of his pencil to his tongue when writing. Yes, I often urged him to correct that habit. I told him it was uh, unhygienic. It certainly was. It may or may not come as a surprise to you to learn that Van Crimp died as a result of touching to his tongue a pencil whose point has been dipped in insidium. Why, I... I, 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 Yes. Well, now, maybe you're right. Now, Miss Pink. No. No, I tell you, I didn't have anything to do with it. All right. Take it easy, Cookie. All she said was, now, Miss Pink, please. Before Van Crimp went upstairs to Studio One, he was seen signing an autograph for a lot of girls in the lobby of the station. Yes. And you were looking on very jealously. I was furious with him. He was flirting with a girl. He sure was, a mile a minute. And you, Miss Pinkney, already <laughs> angry with him because of his behavior at Kelly's Tavern in Brooklyn the night before. You turned on your heel and stomped out. She turned on her heel, all right. No editorial comments, please. Is that true, what I just said, Miss Pinkney? Very well. Now, I am ready to reveal the murderer. Take notes on everything I say, Minnie. Okie doke. The identity of the murderer of Cornelius Van Crimp is Minerva Hammersmith. Are you kidding? Minnie, a little while ago when I remarked to Miss Pinkney that Van Crimp was flirting with autograph speakers on the day of his death, you remarked that he was. For kind of phrase... So what? So what were you doing there? A bourbon how do you hear, Flynn? Yeah, I thought so. It was to you I dictated my monograph on insidium. Therefore, you knew the properties of the poison. Strictly your properties, as far as I'm concerned. And you let slip the opinion that Van Crimp was a heel. Check. He lived in Brooklyn where you lived all your life, and it's known he rooted for the Yankees in the recent World Series as witnesses' argument with Rappel and his wager with Trummer. Go on, you're getting hot. Van Crimp celebrated on the night of October 6th at Kelly's Tavern. He was delighted because that afternoon the Dodgers had lost to the Yankees when their catcher dropped a third strike on what should have been the last play of the game. Well, go on. This is strangely fascinating. Yeah, you were there at the tavern that night. How do you know that? Well, it was your only night off in a month. You're telling me. 
Next day, you showed up to work with a new style matchbook from the tavern. You, a loyal Dodger fan, were infuriated because Van Crimp, also a native of Brooklyn, had turned traitor to the team. So next day, you... This has gone far enough. Yes, I might have been crimp. I picked up Thrummock's pencil, which he left in the restaurant, and dipped it in a jigger of insidium, and then asked Van Crimp for his autograph, and he put it to his tongue as I seen him do once. You did. Yeah, I murdered him, and I'll do it again, too. You mean if you meet Van Crimp in some other life? Anytime, anywhere, including the Bronx. Many, many. Why did you do this? Terrible thing. Well, boss, I don't mind a Brooklyn citizen rooting for the Yankees. That's bad enough. But I says live and let live. That's my motto. Yeah, with one notable exception. But insults. Insults is another thing. You want to know what Dan Crimp said that night at the tavern? He says, Them Dodgers are bush leaguers with illusions of grandeur. Oh. Yes, he did. And he says, may they go back to the second division where they belong and never rear their ugly heads again. And then he says, and get this, may all their children drop side strikes. Oh, men. Oh, men, if you only told me. Well, boss, that's when my gorge begins to rise. He says this also. He says the only way to explain the Dodgers winning the pennant this year is sunspots. Sunspots. And him, a resident of Brooklyn. And then, and then he says, if it's another 21 years before Brooklyn finishes in the first division, which it will be at least, that'll be too soon for me, he says. Christ, them bums, he says. They never was no good, and they never will be. You wouldn't believe it, but that's what he says. Ah, the man was a monster. Well, boss, I knew then that Van Crimps was a traitor to his country and to mankind. I knew then he'd have to go. It was a far, far better thing I'd done for Brooklyn. Many. Oh, many I understand and I sympathize. Believe me, it is with reluctance and a heavy heart I turn you over to the district attorney and the grand jury, but I saw my duty and I've done it. Okay, boss, I understand. No hard feelings. I guess nobody can ever pull the perfect crime. But I come near it. Yeah, and I feel certain that no jury in the world will convict you. Except possibly in St. Louis, which fortunately has no jurisdiction in this case. Officer Hanrahan, the prisoner is yours. <clears throat> I am honored to take so distinguished a prisoner into my custody. Thanks, Flatfoot. Well... Things is going to be different next year. You wait and see. Yeah, Minna. Yeah. Things is going to be different next year.
You have been listening to the Columbia Workshop's presentation of Murder in Studio One, written and directed by Norman Corwin as program number 23 in the cycle 26 by Corwin, and starring Ruth Gordon, distinguished actress of radio, stage, and screen, in the role of Cameo Clock. The role of Minerva Hammersmith, the Brooklyn Patriot, was played by Minerva Pius. And the characters of Elwin Rappel and Mr. Plimsoll were created and performed by Edward Mayhoff. Others in the cast were Alan Drake as Sloak, Kenneth Delmar as Dr. Bumbridge, Frank Lovejoy as Lieutenant O'Hanrahan, Peter Gu Chong as Gu Chong, Esther Sundergaard as Father Gill, and Shepard as Miss Pinckney, and Norman Ober as Professor Strummer. Music was arranged and conducted by Alexander Semler, and the vocalists were the Symphonettes and the Four Clubmen, MacDonald Nyan engineered. Columbia Workshop will return next week at this same time with program number 24 of 26 by Corwin. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Those Dodger fans are quite tough. And of course, it would be another 14 years of wait till next year until the Dodgers at last won a World Series. So by then, with good behavior, if many had been convicted, she would have been out by parole, on parole. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the uh, 26 by Corwin. I think it's about the only thing that'll fit into uh, our particular series. I hope you uh, enjoyed it. Uh, we will be back on Monday, returning to our regular order. Join us for Barry Craig Confidential Investigator. In the meanwhile, if you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectors.net. Give us a call, 208-991-4783. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.